Welcome to Interwork with Marianne Walker, certified life coach for the helpers, healers, and anyone who wants to up-level their life. Life is what you make it, and here we make life pretty great. Come on in. Hi there, and welcome back. So first, I wanted to share some exciting news. Guess what? <laughs> After episode 18, I hit 1,000 downloads for this podcast, which is super exciting because my goal was to hit 1,000 downloads by my 20th episode, and I did it on episode 18, and that just feels so good. It always feels good to meet your goal even ahead of when you thought you were going to. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. Uh, it's really fun to see the consistent numbers, and I really appreciate the feedback I've received both by, you know, Know, by way of uh, reviews here on the podcast, as well as private messages I've been receiving about what things have resonated. Now, and it just really means a lot. So I just wanted to me. say thank you. Did you know that we all have a voice inside of our head? <laughs> it's kind of this constant voice that essentially just kind of narrates what's going on and it doesn't stop talking. So for example, as I'm driving down the road, it might say something like this. There's a car in front of me. A car sure is dirty. They should probably wash their car. Uh-oh, how dirty is my car? Do I need to take my car to the car wash? But I don't want to go to the car wash until after I've checked the weather because I know it's going to be snowing soon and they're going to be putting sand and salt on the roads. So maybe I should wait. Well, I hope the weather doesn't get gross. I was planning on going for a hike this weekend. I'm feeling kind of hungry. I wonder if there's something that in here that I can snack on. And this voice kind of just goes on and on and on, filling the silence with just random commentary. So sometimes this looks like just simple observations about what's going on, like the car in front of me or, oh, look, there's a tree. <laughs> sometimes then it offers up supportive commentary, like, dang, girl, you look so good today. And other times it may offer up unsupportive commentary, like, oh my gosh, you are such a mess. How embarrassing, you know, but really it's just going to keep talking. In fact, like was, when I was getting ready to record this episode, then I noticed the voice in my head was saying things like this. You should have recorded this earlier. You're getting behind. You aren't prepared for this. Nobody's going to listen to you anyway. You should be spending this time with family. You procrastinated and now you're sacrificing family time. But at the same time that that voice was playing over and over and over again in my head, there was another voice that was speaking at the same time. Because oftentimes then there's one voice, but it's kind of taking on both sides of the same argument. So while I'm hearing that previous story in my head that's extremely unsupportive, I'm also hearing a story in my head that goes a little something like this. I think a lot of people are really going to relate to this. Man, this idea was so life-changing for me. I know it's going to help somebody else too. Even if I don't say it all perfectly, I know that I can say just enough to make a difference for one other person. I'm so glad I've learned these things. It really does support what it is I'm wanting to build and create for myself and my family, as well as for my coaching community. And what's really interesting to notice is that while these voices are both like always speaking, the volume is kind of raised or lowered depending on which voice we're listening to, right? Your focus is going to increase the volume of whichever voice you're choosing to listen to. Now, I have been observing this voice for years now, and I first became aware of it when I was reading Michael Singer's book, The Untethered Soul. This is a fantastic book that I really do try to read every year. It is wonderful. And yes, I will have a link in the show notes where you can go and listen to it for free. So in this book, he refers to this voice kind of like as an incessant roommate that just doesn't know when to keep quiet. <laughs> and throughout the book, he encourages the reader to become a conscious and curious observer of their thoughts or of this internal voice. 
So as I have worked to become a conscious and curious observer of this voice, I have learned many life lessons. And some of these things are articulated in the book and others are just kind of my own personal experience with this journey. So today I thought I would share four insights. Number one, as you come to observe and notice this voice, have some self-compassion. When I first became aware of this voice, I experienced a lot of shame and guilt over all of the negativity that was happening in my head. I was thinking negative thoughts, which had me feeling bad. And then I was feeling bad about thinking these thoughts. And so then I was feeling bad about feeling bad. So then I was just feeling worse and it was creating this net negative experience for me. And when I first read this book, I was unaware of the 50-50 rule that we talk about on this podcast so much. The rule that life is just 50-50. It's 50% positive and 50% negative. It just is. So have some self-compassion. You're going to have negative thoughts coming up, right? Because you're human. You have a human brain. And you have spent your whole life practicing a certain way of thinking. And you've carved out some neural pathways that um, oftentimes in these neural pathways, they become our default settings, right? So your brain is very good at um, switching into autopilot and navigating these neural pathways, right? I'll just say, oh, like I, I can take it from here. Let me just go down this path. And even though, um, you know, and, and we let our brain do that, right? We just say, okay, sure. You, you take the reins, you know what you're doing, even though it's going to lead to a less than desirable destination. But your brain is also kind of super amazing and you are fully capable of creating new neural pathways that can take you to where you do want to go. So think of it this way, like we've all been driving somewhere and kind of zoned out a little bit and then found ourselves like inadvertently driving someplace we always go, right? So we find ourselves driving to work or driving to our favorite store or wherever it is that you frequently go. And we didn't mean to go this way, but because we've practiced this route so many times, like if we aren't super conscientious about where we're going, we find ourselves going down this route. But let's say that maybe you move or you change jobs or you start, you know, they put in a new grocery store downtown. And so then your brain is kind of shaken up a little bit and you have the opportunity to learn a new way of navigating things. And soon then that new route will become your new default setting and the path that you just naturally take. And that leads into number two, pathways. So when I was going to college, the sidewalks were pretty well laid out on the campus and I could get to pretty much anywhere pretty easily. It seemed that all of the students took the same routes around campus, uh, but I noticed that every here and there, there were little trails being created in the lawn. So a student would realize that they could walk in this direction over the lawn and it would get them to where they wanted to go in a more efficient way. And what's interesting is oftentimes this is how campuses are created. Um, and so, you know, it might be like a school campus or a shopping center, but the engineers, they put down a few pathways and then they kind of watch the foot traffic to see where they decide to go, right? They just kind of follow the flow of traffic and they have a pretty good idea about what where they want the sidewalks to be. But then people come in and they create their own pathways because they're always seeking more efficient routes. And then as these new pathways are created, then the engineers can decide what they want to do. So they might choose to block off this route by installing maybe like a water feature or maybe planting some bushes or something to kind of block that pathway. Or they might choose to lay a new sidewalk during that path, kind of reinforcing the pathway that has been created by the patrons. And at first it might just be one person 
going this certain way, but soon, you know, multiple people start to take that same route. And then soon you might see that the grass has died and it's been scraped away by the foot traffic. And now it's just a dirt path that can be clearly seen. And once it's clearly visible, then even more people decide to take that route. And eventually the campus will have to decide to either block it off completely or to turn it into a sidewalk. And our brain works very much the same way. We have our neural pathways that we have developed over time. And these are the default settings of our brain. And as we increase our conscious awareness, we start to notice that our brain has become accustomed to a certain way of thinking and being. So maybe we find that we're naturally drawn to judge ourselves, or maybe we tend to place others' desires ahead of our own, or maybe we tend to catastrophize. Uh, maybe we don't like where these default settings are taking us, but as we become more consciously aware of these pathways, we may decide that those routes are not serving us and look for more supportive or more efficient way of, of thinking to get us to where it is that we want to go. So remember that the brain is kind of lazy. <laughs> it wants to take the path of least resistance even if it isn't good for it, because it's easy, right? So in the case of these tried and true neural pathways, the brain, it knows the way, right? It's easily marked and it's super familiar. And oftentimes when something feels familiar, then it also feels safe to us, right? We think that it is safe. And if it feels safe and familiar, we think that it is good for us, but that's not always the case. Um, and this is what makes it super important to be consciously aware of what it is that your brain is doing. And this allows us to turn off the autopilot and to course correct so that we can get to where it is that we truly want to go. It can be a little uncomfortable at first to try a new route and to forge a new path. And we might have to metaphorically like clear out some weeds or trim back a bush or remove some rocks from the pathway. Uh, but the more we practice that path, the easier it becomes for our brain to choose into that line of thinking. And then one day we may notice that we have a new default setting, a more supportive one, one that just naturally flows with us and takes us to where it is that we want to conscientiously go. Number three, be aware of over-identification with the voice. So let me give you an example of what can happen when we overly identify with the voice, right? When we believe that the voice is true. So I was recently extended an invitation to speak. And after consulting my calendar, I committed to the engagement. And as soon as I committed, then here came the voice. <laughs> and the voice said, why would they ask you to do this? You don't even have anything of value to share with this audience. And they want you to speak? And for 20 minutes? Yeah, right. And this one was especially funny to think about because as you know, you know, I'm a podcaster and a life coach and most of these episodes are 20 minutes long, but still the voice says it. And since it sounds like it's my voice, then I think, well, it must be true. So, you know, should I decide to believe the voice? then I can notice that all of these other thoughts and beliefs come up around those thoughts too. So my other beliefs that were coming up around those thoughts were I'm inadequate. I don't have the time to prepare for this. I don't know how to relate to this particular audience. What if they don't like me? Why would they even listen to me? When I overly identify with this voice and assume that what it is saying is true, it stunts my progress. It does not move me to action. And in fact, it shuts me down. But if I can notice what is happening from a place of non-judgment and just notice what the voice is saying without overly identifying with it, then I can challenge the voice and then make necessary course corrections. So when I approach it from this place, then I might strike up a conversation with the voice <laughs> and I might say something like, oh, hello, voice. You aren't being very kind or helpful right now. And really, if you were my roommate, I would kick you out. You're taking up space. 
You're negatively impacting my mood and you aren't even paying rent. I know that I am fully capable of addressing this audience and deep down, you know it too. So stop trying to convince me otherwise. It's not helpful. And this allows me to notice what is happening in my brain and also consciously choose into something that is more supportive. Recognizing that the voice is just a voice can help us to become more conscious creators in our lives. And isn't that what we all want? It does take some practice, but it is 100% worth it to choose um, to recognize what is happening between our ears and then choose our thoughts on purpose. Because remember, the brain oftentimes wants to be right more than it wants to be happy. So if you are looking for evidence that the voice is right, you will find it. If I focus on seeking for evidence that the voice is right, then I can look at my life and I could find ample evidence that I'm not fit for this speaking engagement that I don't have the time to prepare, that I have nothing of value to say. And you know what that kind of thinking will create for me? Probably a situation where I don't have the time to adequately prepare and I don't deliver as much value as I would like for my audience and I don't connect with them on the level that I would like to. But if I'm able to recognize that this voice is just a voice, it is just one perspective and it's not even necessarily speaking truth, then I can start to get curious about it. And when I'm able to do that, I can start to poke holes in the voice's line of thinking. And that's number four, poke holes in the voice's argument. So in this situation with the speaking engagement, then I looked at all the things that the voice was saying, and I picked one thing to poke holes in. And as I said earlier, the easiest thing for me to poke holes in was the thought, I can't possibly fill 20 minutes. Finding the thought that's the easiest one to disprove is a great place to start. So as you know, I am a life coach and a podcaster, and I can definitely talk for 20 minutes. And if I'm working with a live group where I can have group engagement and that back and forth, I can talk a lot longer than that. Like I have given 90 minute workshops before. So really, it is silly to think that I wouldn't be qualified to give a 20 minute speech. So after I poked holes in that argument, then I can look at the other arguments that the voice is bringing to the table and find evidence to disprove them as well. So the thoughts that I intentionally chose to think are, you know what? I do a pretty good job finding real life examples when I speak, which I think means I'm actually pretty good at relating to other people. Of course, I'll be able to connect with this group. <laughs> they wouldn't have asked me to speak if they didn't think that I have something of value to offer. Also, I have an abundance of life experience and that has made me who I am today. And I want so much to share all of the things that I have learned with others. So yes, I absolutely have something of value to say. And hey, I also have evidence that I can budget my time and plan accordingly so that I can have time to prepare for this engagement. Easy peasy. <laughs> so remember that observing the voice does not mean agreeing with it. It just means that you know that it's a voice. You know what it is saying and you're being conscious about the thoughts that you're thinking rather than just letting them play on a loop. And you can choose if you want to believe the voice or not. Just like a roommate, it may have some really strong opinions, but it doesn't mean that the voice is right. All right, number four, proactively choose what you want to think. Your brain is going to be thinking thoughts all of the time, no matter what, but you are not your thoughts. You are the one observing your thoughts, and you get to choose if you want to listen to the voice or not. Sometimes the voice will be loud, like a roommate in the next room, like blaring music, and you can't even hear yourself think. And sometimes it might be like a grumpy relative that just kind of mumbles under their breath in the corner <laughs> and has nothing nice to say about anybody, but you get to choose 
if you want to listen to that voice and you get to choose what you want to focus on. And your focus controls the volume of these voices. So giving your brain an assignment can help it to create more supportive ways of thinking. And the sooner you give your brain an assignment to create more supportive ways of thinking, the sooner you can develop those more supportive neural pathways. So one very simple way to put your brain on the right track is to just ask questions. The brain love, 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 loves answering questions. (laughs) And if it doesn't know the answer, it will invest hours trying to sort it out. You know, it's true because those questions are keeping you up at night, right? So some more supportive questions might be, how is this perfect for me? What can I do to increase connection in this relationship? How can I increase my value at work? How can I improve the quality of my time with my family? How can I create more income? What can I learn from the situation? Now, all of these questions are going to be significantly more empowering than just letting your mind run rampant. You have it within you to be a conscious creator. Stop living as a victim of circumstance and start, you know, living as a conscious creator. Work to become an observer of the voice in your head. Remember that you are not the voice. You are the one observing the voice and choose your thoughts on purpose. Your brain is going to be hard at work telling you stories anyway. So you might as well intentionally give it an assignment to make it a more supportive story. I will post a link in the show notes to Michael Singer's book so that you can get um, that book for free and your first month of Audible for free. And don't forget, this month only, all one-on-one calls are just $99. So if you have been wanting time with me for Christmas, now is your chance. This is a great time to get your sessions booked, um, to build up some support around your New Year's resolution. Uh, Coaching is a fantastic option for you. We can do some thought finder exercises to find out what sentences in your brain are ruling your life and swap them out for something that is more supportive. You have got this and I can help. So book your session over at www.marianwalker.life and I'll see you there. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and I look forward to hearing from you. Bye now.